0: You're entering outer brightness.
1: All right, Fireflies. This week, Michael and I have the pleasure of welcoming Rich Hoyer to the program. Rich and I attended the same school, Cincinnati Bible Seminary, at the now-defunct Cincinnati Christian University. Although our time at the seminary was several years apart and we never got to interact there, I learned of Rich's work in Christian apologetics through my theology professor, Dr. Jack Cottrell. Rich and a team of people came together to plan and organize an apologetics conference in the Louisville, Kentucky area, I attended what i think uh keep me honest here rich uh was 2016 the first reveal conference it was awesome see michael my memory is not too bad yet but uh but yeah i attended the first conference with my dad and my son and we got to see Mike icona speak and also got to talk with him about my journey from Mormonism to jesus and he even signed a copy of uh, his book on the resurrection of jesus for me i also got to see paul copan speak at that conference um and got to break bread with rich in the fellowship hall of the church where the conference was held that year and by break bread i mean that we scarfed down some chick-fil-a in between sessions um i also got to attend the conference in 2018 uh and there i saw frank turek and rob bowman speak i got to briefly interact with frank and several years uh, after several years of interacting with rob bowman in online ministry to mormons i also got to meet him in person which was very cool Uh, rich hoyer is senior minister at Linden Christian Church or Linden Church of Christ in Linden, Kentucky, which is near it's Louisville. Linden
2: Christian Church. Yeah, is it Linden you it, Christian Church? Yeah, right. Yep.
1: Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and he's also a talented photographer. I very much enjoy seeing his pictures of the Louisville skyline, the Ohio River, uh, and the bridges there that he posts to Facebook. I've benefited from the many hours of work that Rich and team put into the Reveal Conference each year. So I'm very excited to have him with us. Rich, welcome to Outer Brightness. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Rich. How did how did you come to faith?
2: Well, uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church and I went to Catholic grade school. Uh, my parents were were very faithful in making sure that I went to church each week, and um, you know had had good Catholic education as well. Catholic education is um, you know the quality of the education in general is quite good, and of course they they teach you the Catholic faith. So from kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, I, I went to uh, one particular school, and then went to Catholic high school for two years. And around the time I was about 16 years old, uh, you know, I was gaining some freedom and my parents stopped making me go to church. And so I, I pretty much stopped going regularly. I, I went from time to time, obviously went on Christmas and Easter and, and here and there, but um, not, not so much. And then uh, went to college and did a, did a lot of things that college kids did. And, um, did all the things that I was supposed to do, at least as I was taught. You know, I was taught you you go to school, you get good grades and you get good grades so you can get into college and get, you know, get through college and graduate, get your degree, and then you can get a good job. And that good job will uh, afford you a good income and and benefits. And, you know, that was what you were supposed to do in life. And so I did that. Uh, Graduated from the University of Louisville, degree in economics, Uh, started working at the Courier Journal here, here in Louisville in the advertising department. And, you know, my life was, was just pretty empty and, um, a series of bad things happened, uh, I had been engaged to a girl and, um, she broke up with me and, and it was devastating at the time, probably best, one of the best things that ever happened to me, but at the time it was quite devastating. Um, so, you know, I was a bit depressed because of that and I'm working this job, did all the things I'm supposed to do. And I'm looking at the clock every day and I'm counting the hours till it's time to get off. And then I go home and I eat dinner and do whatever. And I count the hours until it's time to go to bed. And then I get up and do it all again. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. Surely we weren't put here on this planet just to to survive. And so that that began uh, a spiritual journey where I didn't realize at the time, but the Lord was drawing me to him. And my sister had become a Christian before me. And she had prayed that I'd be so miserable that I'd have no choice but to turn to the Lord. And in effect, that's basically what happened to me. Um, I, uh, ended up having surgery, had a double hernia and had surgery and it dawned on me as I was entering into surgery that this doctor here is going to give me some anesthesia and I have no idea how much I'm supposed to have. Uh, even if I did, there isn't anything I could do to control it. I realized that I was just not in control of anything at that point. And I thought, okay, if, if, if this goes South, uh, you know, my sins are not forgiven and I'm going to hell. And so at that moment, I did the only thing I knew to do at the time was I said, Lord Jesus, please save me. And from that point on, uh, you know, surgery went fine, came out of that point on something changed a bit. Uh, A friend of mine then invited me to church and I started going to church and it was a it was a non-instrumental Church of Christ. And I listened to sermons each week. And finally, one week, the preacher preached on baptism. And, you know, he preached, preached the gospel, preached about baptism and uh I don't remember what happened, but for some reason on that Tuesday, I decided I had this this terrible, um, just urgency that I needed to confess faith in Jesus and be baptized. So I called my friend up and I said, what are you doing tonight? He said, I'm working out. So he said, why? And I said, well, I want you to baptize me tonight. Oh, absolutely, man. Now, the thing is, I, I, I hate water. I can't swim. The thought of being dunked underwater terrified me. So I said to him, I said, well, I want it to just be you and me. He said, oh, no problem. Uh, it turned out about 12 people showed up, but um, that night I confessed faith in Jesus, was baptized, and my life radically changed from that point forward.
1: Wow, that's great. Uh, really awesome story. Uh, so you said your sister uh, became a Christian. What about your parents? Are they still Catholic? or No, um,
2: I had the privilege of baptizing my parents about a year after um, about a year after i became a christian so uh had numerous numerous conversations with them especially with my mom and um you know just just talked to her about the differences between the catholic faith and and you know the, and the biblical faith and um finally convinced her and so anyway about a year later i baptized them and and um they started coming to church at linden uh maybe i don't know a year after i started so my mom passed away a few years ago but my dad he still comes.
1: That's great news. I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Uh, I know that loss can be uh, difficult to deal with, but uh, yeah, glad you uh, had that opportunity to baptize on that. That's awesome. Yeah. thanks. So uh, we invited you on the program uh, because I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to hear uh, about uh, Christian apologetics. You know, Michael mentioned uh, when we were doing our introductions that he's, he was involved in uh, trying to be a Mormon apologist uh, before he became a Christian. What what got you interested in and engaged in apologetics, Rich?
2: Well, the night that I was baptized, the preacher said to me afterwards, he said, I want to warn you. He said, you were you were basically Satan's before. You did all that Satan wanted you to do, whether you knew it or not. He said, Satan's going to come and make your life miserable now because he doesn't like that you've made this choice to turn to Jesus. And I had no clue what he was talking about. I just kind of smiled and I went, uh-huh. But within two weeks of that moment, I couldn't tell you God existed. The doubts set in. And so I was I was faced with a choice. I could either go back to the old life that I had lived, or I could press forward. And I needed to know that there was good evidence for what I had believed. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to make a decision that was emotional. Um, I wanted to know that, that Jesus really is who he says he is. So... I didn't really know what to do, but um, I just started looking around the Internet and I ended up getting several books. I, I got um, uh, The Evidence, The Demand's a Verdict, uh, Josh McDowell. I got um, I forgot what the second book was. I got another book called um, God, The Evidence by a guy named Glenn, and I'm not even sure who he is. But anyway, through through those books and also reading some some debates online, um, I, I, I began to realize, OK, there is good evidence for Christianity. Um, at the time, w- once I started looking at the evidence, you know, I had to kind of reason from God to Jesus to biblical salvation. So I-, I could say, you know, the universe couldn't have just popped into existence at random. Something had to call, had to cause it. So I, I was able to say, okay, g- God exists. Then the question was, okay, who is God? And I started looking at the options and I, I looked at Judaism, I looked at Islam, I looked at Christianity and I- pretty quickly ruled out Judaism, but Islam gave me some issues. And so I wanted to know, okay, is is, is the God of Islam or the God of Christianity, the true God? I ended up reading uh, debates online uh, between Muslim apologists and and uh, Christian apologists, and eventually came to realize, okay, the God of the Bible is the true God, and that there is good, solid evidence for the gospel's truth.
3: Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I like I was telling you guys uh, during my introduction too, like I, I was doing apologetics as a, a Latter Day Saint, which is kind of weird from that culture. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just uh, they just kind of go off of emotion or or a feeling. Like I I had a I don't know that they use like the word burning in the bosom as much these days as they used to, but like I felt the spirit. The spirit told me that it's true. And then when you uh, <clears throat> when you start really uh, using reason and logic, it, it's really looked down on in Mormonism. In fact. Uh, I remember uh, one of my kind of mentors when I was in, in the LDS church kind of found out that I was doing apologetics and he just very sternly told me like, you stay away from that. You know, like basically that's dangerous, like thinking these things through logically is is dangerous. And uh, I just want to kind of get your perspective, you know, on why, like why apologetics, why not just Tell people to pray about it, like like they do in Mormonism. Yeah,
2: um, you know, uh, uh, our hearts are, are are deceptive, and there there are spiritual forces out there that um, can deceive us. Um, I think we can, you know, if it's one of those things where you go by feeling. I mean, we can we can convince ourselves of just about anything because we want something to be true. Uh, we also can open ourselves up to you know demonic forces that could. Uh, you know, work to try to convince us. And so, you know, God is, is the God of reason. He's the God of logic. And, uh, you know, when you look at, when you look at the Bible and you look at Jesus and his message, and it, you, you see that he didn't just ask people to simply believe, you know, he, he gave evidences. Um, you know, in John 10, he said something to the effect of, you know, it, it, it don't, don't simply believe my word, at least believe the miracles that I do. Um, so, so God gave evidences, he gave signs, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of places in the Bible, in, in the old Testament, um, when, when God did the, um, um, when God brought the plagues, he said, he said, you know, so that you may know that I am God. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he gave evidences, he gave, gave reasons, um, you know, our emotions are are just not reliable for, uh, determining truth.
3: Yeah, no, amen. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, now as you've as you've talked to uh, to latter-day saints what what's been your experience uh, with apologetics when it comes to, to Mormons
2: yeah the very first the first time I talked to a, a Mormon um, was I think in 2001 and my wife and I were living in Versailles Kentucky and it was Derby Day and we lived in an apartment complex and everybody was out you know cooking out and things of that nature and shorts and t-shirts and here comes two Mormon missionaries down the street with uh, khakis and a, a white shirt and name tags on, and obvious that they didn't belong there. You know, they just they just stuck out. And uh, I had read a little bit about Mormonism at the time, and um, I hadn't been a Christian for but for I don't know six eight months at that point. And so they came up to talk, and so I thought, okay, well I'll talk with them. And I knew I knew enough to know, you know, specifically on certain topics like the topic of grace that. You know, the Bible talks about how we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and grace is unmerited favor. You know, you, you're basically you're saying, uh, God, I, I don't have the spiritual resources to uh, to get to you, to, to get to heaven. You know, I have to, to fall at your mercy. And I knew that the Mormon concept of grace was not that. It was something to the effect of um, you do all that you can and where you fall short, Jesus will make up the rest. And so here I am trying to have this conversation with them. And I'm saying, okay, now, look, the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. Oh, yeah, we absolutely believe that. And, you know, and so we're going round and round and round because, you know, I didn't get them to define their terms and they're they're adamant that they believe but we're talking past one another. And it was pretty unproductive conversation. Eventually, I just got irritated and they could tell I was irritated. And they said, well, we don't we don't sense much love in this. And so we're going to go. So that was pretty much the end of that conversation. Uh, I did. After that situation, I did learn more about apologetics and, you know, First Peter 3.15 talks about, you know, uh, giving reasons, but it also talks about doing with gentleness and, and um, gentleness and respect, basically. And so I, I, I learned a little bit more there. And so the next time I had a conversation with the Mormons, it went a whole lot better. Um, I listened more and I still made my points. Um, you know, I, I didn't wasn't able to convert them, but it was interesting you know, the answers that I gave to their questions and the the questions that I posed were such that they couldn't provide good answers. And they ended up saying, well, we would like to bring our, uh, I guess it was a bishop, uh, to another meeting. And so we had another meeting, and this time was at the church. And um, again, it was the same sort of thing. Uh, Basically, everything that they said, we had answers for, uh, and they couldn't really answer our questions. And finally, they left. Um, Those were probably the two uh, most in-depth conversations that I've had with Mormons.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, if, if it makes you feel any better um, about the terms, Paul and I understand all the terms, and we still get frustrated sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah for it can sure. Be, it can be quite a, a challenge uh, doing apologetics with, uh, with Latter-day Saints, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yep.
2: yeah I think in that in that situation, we tried to set up another meeting with them uh, but the bishop warned them to stay away from us. And that was pretty much the end of it.
3: Yeah, that's the thing with those missionaries is uh, they're under pretty strict leadership. And uh, even if they want to come visit you some more, sometimes their leaders will cut you off. And And I've kind of been cut off from, from the missionaries yeah. in, in my area where the mission president's been like, yeah, don't go. Don't go to his house. It's a waste of time. You know, if, if you're not progressing towards Mormon baptism, then That's it.
1: they're going to ghost you. Yep. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Rich, when I, when I first came to uh true biblical faith, uh, I, I started to ask myself what I would say uh, to my younger self. What, what would be, if I had, if I had the chance to speak to a younger version of myself, what would be the first thing that I would share with them about biblical faith? And um, I pretty quickly came around to the fact that it would be, the gospel of grace. It would have to do with grace. I I read a book called uh I think it's called Escaping the Performance Trap. I can't remember who yeah, the author I read is. that too. That's a good um, book. But it's a really great book on um just just understanding different the difference between works, uh works-based religion and the gospel of grace. And uh also read a book called um The Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll. And mm-hmm. uh in there he he makes the statement that if your gospel preaching does not open it uh, to the susceptibility of the charge of easy believism or or cheap grace, uh, then you're not uh, preaching the New Testament gospel, hmm. and um, that really hit me when I when I read that statement, and I I, I noticed as I started to engage with with Mormons online uh, that they would often come with the same kinds of charges that that Paul the apostle gets from. Uh, his interlocutors that he that he mm-hmm. uh, quotes from in the in the book of Romans, uh, yeah. whether that's rhetoric or 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 he really heard those uh, challenges, I don't know. But um, you know, they they would come with those same challenges. And uh, you know, there was a time when I was I was over at my dad's, and he was still um, he was still LDS at the time, and he had the missionaries over, and I had uh, I was pretty newly uh, into my degree program at at Cincinnati uh, Bible Seminary. And uh, I was talking with those missionaries there and, and, and sharing with them, with them grace. And uh, yeah, it, it just became apparent to me how different it is. Um, you know, that they, they, they do use the word. Um, it, it has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So this yeah, this kind of go ahead, Rich. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Great. Grace is one of those concepts that I think is, is, um, is very foreign to the world around us. I, I struggled with that concept of grace. I, I got saved in a non-instrumental church of Christ and it was a, pretty legalistic church. And, you know, I, I had this notion that um, it was like, okay, well, 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 Jesus saves me, but I got to make sure that I perform well enough to, you know, to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm worthy, sort of similar to like what, what a Mormon would, would believe. Um, and it really wasn't until I had Dr. Cottrell's class on grace that I began to understand, okay, no, no, that's, that's not the way it works at all. You know, Jesus saved us despite the fact that we were unworthy. And, you know, as it says in Romans, if, you know, if, if, if Jesus died for us while we were still enemies, you know, how much more will he save us now, you know, that we're reconciled to him. So that, that concept of grace, I mean, everything around us is performance-based. You go to work, your, 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 your pay is based on performance. You go to school, your grades are based on performance. You know, even our, even our own self-worth is often based on performance. So it's difficult for us to, to say, okay, you know, so you, you mean that I, I really, can just simply receive eternal life through faith in Jesus. I mean, it's a tough
1: concept for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. So why why do you think, um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about uh, after you converted and you were uh, struggling with some doubts and you studied through uh, various world religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Um, can you say a little bit more about why apologetics is important for Christians to be able to uh, engage with the broader culture? Sure.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think our culture has a lot of of the people of our culture have a lot of misconceptions about Christianity. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially in our more and more secularized age that we live in, uh, you know, a lot of people, they they know Christianity is a religion. They know it has something to do with Jesus. And that's pretty much about it. Um, You know, and they've got a lot of misconceptions. And, uh, you know, Christians are often looked at as being backwards and ignorant and so forth. So, to provide good, solid evidences for Jesus, uh, is, is one good way to break down barriers. Um, you know, we, we need to be able to show that Christianity is reasonable and not only is it reasonable, but it, um, provides the best explanation of the world that we see around us. Um, not only that, but you know, anybody can believe anything. Um, I think it was Francis Schaeffer who, who, um, who wrote the book and I'm forgetting the name of the book right now, but, um, Oh, I think it's, why should we believe anything at all? And ultimately the answer is, is because it's true. And so we need to be able to show that Christianity is true, provide good evidence, evidences, provide good reasons, um, because there's a lot of competing claims and, and, um, you know, the message of Christianity isn't, is a, is an exclusive one. And so, you know, why should you believe in Jesus? We need to be able to demonstrate why that is.
1: You're listening to Outer Brightness, a podcast for post-Mormons who are drawn by God to walk with Jesus rather than turn away. Outer brightness, outer brightness, outer brightness. There's no weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth here, except when Michael's angry. that is, angry. that is, angry. that is.
0: We were all born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah, more commonly referred to as the Mormon faith. All of us have left that religion and have been drawn to faith in Jesus Christ based on biblical teachings. The name of our podcast, Outer Brightness, reflects John 1, 9, which calls Jesus the true light which gives light to everyone. We have found life beyond Mormonism to be brighter than we were told it would be, and the light we have is not our own. It comes to us from without, thus, outer brightness. Our purpose is to share our journeys of faith and what God has done in drawing us to his Son. We have conversations about all aspects of that transition, the fears, challenges, joys, and everything in between. We're glad you found us, and we hope you'll stick around.
3: Yeah, um, I've definitely noticed that, you know, most Mormons who leave become atheists, and then they're actually anti theist they're, they're really against God, really hate the idea of God. And One of the, the themes that I see uh, with them and, and other atheists is just this preconceived notion that there is no evidence for Christianity that if you think at all, you will like nobody who's rational will ever be a christian and everybody who's there is just under mind control um so i really like what you're what you're saying a lot because i think the culture just doesn't attach that to christianity at all right um um, but i wanted to ask you uh so you are a pastor and an apologist yeah how do you do that
2: (laughs) You know, it, it's, it's funny when I when I was at Cincinnati, there was a, there was this, uh, this was sort of a semi conflict between the biblical studies department and the theology department. I was a theology guy, but I, I sat under Cottrell and, and Presley and so forth. And I still remember one of these guys asking me, uh, one of the biblical studies guys asked me, he's like, theology degree, what are you going to do with that? I'm going to preach, man. What do you think I'm going to do with it? You Know it's like it's like wait a minute, theology, how are you gonna preach? You know, and, and apologetics kind of is the same way. It's like, well, what are you gonna do with that? Well, you know, I like to preach apologetic sermons, but you know, also as as a preacher, you know, I think you ought to provide good reasons why what you're saying is true. Um, again, there's so many different competing worldviews out there and competing religions, and you know, you, you, you need to explain why this is true. And you know, as kids grow up and they go off to college and so forth, if they don't know why it's true, um, their faith is going to crumble. And we see that all the time. So, you know, as I preach, uh, if I, if I don't preach a straight apologetic sermon, which, which I do, I try to have a good apologetic series once a year, but I'm routinely mixing in apologetic nuggets throughout, uh, you know, throughout whatever it is I'm preaching. So I mix, I mix, uh, you know, I mix preaching, I mix pastoral care and, and apologetics like that.
3: I, I really like that too. Um, Yeah. I think that's an awesome combination. Um, I guess one quick uh, side question I have for you is, I mean, uh, the average Christian out there, how, like, how many of them do you think are kind of ready for apologetics? If, if they're asked a question on the street, do you think that most Christians are are prepared?
2: No, probably uh, not. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah. yeah I, I would say that in it, it, just knowing the world that we live in uh, it's, it's, our, our culture is, is, you know, it's a 144 character nugget kind of information. I, I think most Christians, they know a little bit about their faith. But I don't think most Christians are educated about their faith as they should be and especially don't think they can give good reasons. Now, I do know people obviously who can, but if you're talking about just the average person, I would say, I would say, you know, if the average Christian is biblically illiterate,
3: he's certainly uh, apologetically illiterate, too. Yeah that makes sense well i because it just brought to my memory uh being out there on my mission and and debating christians on the street all the time and and they'd tell me oh yeah, the other trinity it's it's like water uh you know it can be ice you know liquid or or a gas or it's that's like an sure. Thank you, modalist. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> and uh, of course you know i just thought that that's what they really believe and then right you know, mm-hmm. i come to to find out later like oh that's that's kind of funny. That's actually a really bad analogy. Well, and
2: that, and that's a good point. You know, I, I I would say to people, you know, there's there is Christianity in the sense of popular notions. But if you really want to know what Christianity is, you know, read, read those who are educated and study before you make a decision about whether you think Christianity is true. I mean, in any worldview, and any topic, you can find people out there who know nothing about it, but but claim to be and spout things that are just not true and, and and really ridiculous. But you shouldn't base the truth and the value of something based upon those sort of mouthpieces.
1: Well, I like that. So that kind of segues well into our next question. Um, who You mentioned earlier Josh McDowell and Evidence that Demands a Verdict and and another book I can't remember uh, the title of, but um, who are some of your favorite Christian apologists and, and what books would you recommend?
2: Well, my favorite Christian writer would probably be Paul Copan. Um, you know, he, he's a philosopher and an apologist. And he, you know, he writes philosophy books. He writes apologetic books. When he releases an apologetics book, I pretty much just pre-order it. Uh, I love reading his stuff. Um, when it comes to, to apologetic speakers guys like Frank Turek, um, Mike Lacona, um, i trying to think who else would would be on that list. I made a list here. Let's say, who did I put on my list? Uh, you know, there's, there's guys that write well, there's guys that speak well, and sometimes it's not always the same. Um, i tell you another guy who I really like who's not an apologist, but he's a historian, but um, but he writes apologetically relevant books. And that's Rodney Stark, a historian down at Baylor. He's got an excellent book called um, The Victory of Reason, How Christianity Led to Freedom, Capitalism and Western Success. Basically, what he talks about is the, the influence of Christianity on our on our, um, our Western world today and all the things that have come about because of the Christian worldview. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand modern science. Actually, came about because of Christianity. Um, you know, if, if you believe that there is a God who created the universe and He created it uh, logically and orderly, that opens up the possibility that you can then study the universe and that it's predictable. So it wasn't until people, you know, it wasn't until Christianity came onto the scene and people understood that that they start started studying science, and so the modern scientific revolution came came about because of that. So I he, think he's not an apologist, but he's he's um, You know, he writes apologetically relevant books, but as far as apologetic books, you know, one of the books that I read years ago that I think is still relevant today, it's quite good, is that Paul Pan's true for you, but not for me. Um, You know, it's a a lot of the postmodern objections to Christianity. Um, And and even today, you know, we're kind of post-postmodern, but still those objections float around. Uh, The chapters are short, and I want to say three to five pages a piece. It's an excellent book. Uh, Frank Turek's I don't have enough faith to be an atheist is, is an excellent just general apologetics book. Greg Kokel's Tactics, great book for you know how to have apologetic conversations. Um The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus by Habermas and Lacona another book's excellent. Uh there's a guy named Ed Komozewski or, or Komashevsky, excuse me. Uh he wrote an excellent book called Reinventing Jesus. And re- the 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 part of that book that's so excellent is is the um is basically how the how the uh, the Bible was put together. Um it's quite good. Uh Nabil Kureshi has th- his great seeking Allah, finding Jesus. Uh he's got another book called uh, Only God But One. Uh I really like Nancy Piercy's Total Truth. I don't know if you guys have read that or not. Uh she was um she was a Francis Schaeffer uh disciple, so to speak. She was an atheist. She went to La Abri and asked the questions and and um Uh, It's Total Truth is an excellent book. It's one of those books that I think if every Christian minister read this book, it would revolutionize the way that uh, the gospel is preached in the sense that uh, preachers would focus on apologetics quite a bit more. Uh, James Sire, The Universe Next Door, was a book that was very impactful for me. And there's a guy named Glenn Sunshine. He is, he's an apologist. Uh, He is a Chuck, or what is he? He is a, Uh, I think a Chuck Colson fellow, but he's got a book called why we think, why you think the way you do. And uh, again, it's all about how uh, Christianity has shaped uh, the Western world that we live in today. So those are 10, um, but there's, there's a lot of really good books out there.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good. You mentioned some really good ones in there. Um, I remember uh, Rodney Stark he has a book called, uh, the rise of Christianity. And I think he's uh, updated. It's now called the triumph of Christianity. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm. in, in the rise of Christianity, he, he makes the point that, uh, that at the time, uh, the Mormon church was the fastest growing, uh, religion and, and predicted that it might become the next world religion. And, um, I remember Mormon apologists made a huge deal of that statement from, from Rodney Stark. And I got his book, uh, still as a Latter-day Saint, I picked it up at half price books and I started reading it and I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Look at, look at everything that, that Christian Christianity has brought, uh, to the world in, in terms of the Western thought and everything. So yeah, yeah that was Rodney Stark's great. Um, love Paul Copan. Um, the is God a moral monster is, is one I've really enjoyed from him. Um, and, uh, Christianity in the marketplace of ideas is another excellent book of his. Okay. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. So, yeah. Really, really great recommendations there, Rich. Thank you.
3: Uh, I wanted to ask you too, Rich, um, when you do get to, uh, into these apologetic conversations, what would you describe your style as? Do you tend to go towards the classical evidential or presuppositional arguments?
2: Really more of a hodgepodge. It's more based upon the person I'm talking to and where they're at. You know, if a person is an atheist, I'll, I'll probably take a more classical approach. Um, you know, if, if the person has a, a more solid foundation, uh, you know, I may use an evidentialist approach. I'm not I'm not a presuppositional guy, although I do like um, some of the some of the ways that some of the presuppos- presuppositional people uh, practice apologetics. Um, you know, where they analyze culture and show that, uh, you know, that, that uh, the worldview, um, you know, the secular worldview is just insufficient to describe reality.
1: So, really, kind of a
2: hodgepodge based upon the person and the need at the moment.
1: All right, so tell us a little bit, uh, about how the reveal conference came to be.
2: Well, um, in 2014, uh, I taught. Intro to Apologetics at Little Bible College. And Peter Razor was, I don't remember his exact title. I think he was academic dean. He's a friend of mine. And Little Bible College put on what they called the Veritas Symposium, which was an apologetics conference. And at that conference, they brought in Frank Turek, uh, Jack Cottrell, and the guy who's the general editor of the Apologetic Study Bible, um, Cable uh, Ted Cable. And I thought they had a pretty good conference, uh, had about 250 people there, but the next year, Louisville Bible college started having, well, they, they were having some problems, but they basically closed their doors for a year and they they couldn't put on the conference again. And I thought, you know, that's a shame because that, that could be a really good beginning. And so I decided I wanted to try to do something like that. And I approached Bob Russell and I told Bob my idea. And Bob said, well, well, who would you bring in to speak? And I said, well, you know, I really like Paul Copan. I'd bring him in. He said, what's he cost? And I told him the price and he said, I'll pay for it. And so anyway, that, that was kind of the the impetus there. He gave me some good advice on how to put together a committee and so forth. And so we, we planned the first conference to start in 2016. And that was the one that you went to. Brought in Mike Lacona as well. And we've done it every year. In 2021, we're not doing one. Um last year's conference ended up being a virtual conference because of all the COVID stuff. Um, this year we just couldn't get it together like we wanted. So we're, we're pushing for 2022, but, uh, we've, we had one in 16, 17, 18 19 and 20, and, um, hopefully 2022 we'll do it again.
3: Awesome. And, uh, during those, are there any uh, any speakers that have really stood out to you as, uh, as some favorites that you've had? Um,
2: you know, I would say, Well, see, part of the problem for me is because I'm, I'm one of the organizers I'm running around and I don't get to hear them very much, but you know, guys like Frank Turek, I think, I think he's an excellent speaker. He's very dynamic. Um, uh, Sean McDowell did a very nice job as well. He's very dynamic. Uh, I like listening to Mike Lacona. He's very easy to listen to. I'd say those three guys probably as far as speaking and engaging, those are probably the three that, uh, stand out the most.
1: Yeah. I, I really enjoyed, uh, seeing Frank Turek speak uh, in 2018. Uh, I had listened to quite a few of his podcast episodes prior to going to the conference. And I'd I'd seen him, uh, seen his YouTube videos and, or maybe not his YouTube videos, but uh, videos of him speaking at various uh, universities and that other people would post. And sometimes they had kind of clickbaity titles you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Frank Turk destroys atheists or something like that, sure. and uh, it kind of turned me off at first. I, and I think I kind of associated those clickbaity titles maybe with his uh, with his persona and uh, and personality. And when I saw him speak in person at Reveal Conference, uh, he shared uh, how he walked through uh, a, a question from son, uh, a man who had lost his daughter. Uh, at, he was speaking in Michigan, I think it was, and he he I talked about that. how he talked about how this man asked a question, and then his sons also asked a question, and and that he could tell that the the loss of their their sister, their daughter, w- was really weighing on them. And I got to see kind of frank's uh pastor heart as well and it really kind of changed my perception of him uh and and I've, I was thankful to be able to see that and so yeah I I've, I've enjoyed the reveal conference I'm glad uh it's something that you've you've done and and ho- I'll hope and pray for uh the success in 2022. Yeah, we appreciate that. So, uh tell us what else you have going on. Uh what's Rich Hoyer working on? This is this is kind of your opportunity to to plug what projects you have going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, in my spare time, which has become less and less as the kids get older, uh, you know, I still enjoy photography. Um, I, I, have over the years, I've, I've licensed different photos to, um, to different organizations and things. Uh, I don't get as much a chance to do that. One of the things I got into several years ago was, uh, was macro photography. And I, I it's a long story, but, uh, basically I cured my fear of spiders, uh, by shooting macro photography of spiders So I I really enjoy that problem is nobody wants to look at those pictures I can't even get the professional (laughs) photographers to look at them, but I still do that quite a bit. Uh, Not too long ago I sort of got uh, frustrated with um, with with Facebook and, and their censorship and so I haven't been posting much of anything really on there but I still wanted to write and so I started a website. Uh, as, as a blog to allow me to, to write some of the things that I that I enjoyed writing. It's called damningpopreligion.com. Uh, and damning is D-A-M-M-I-N-G, so the idea of stopping pop religion. And pop religion is so broad, it could be anything from secularism to New Age to you name it. Uh, but on that site, I, I write on things like uh, Christian apologetics, uh, historic Christianity, you know, and our, as our world becomes more secular, you know, the, our world becomes outraged by some of the things that Christianity teaches and believes. And it's like, you, you welcome to the scene. You know, this is a 2000 year old, you know, doctrine and really extends beyond that and goes back to Judaism, you know, so it's, it, you know, so anyway, I focus on historic Christianity, historic Christian doctrine, Christian apologetics, uh, cultural commentary, and then um, uh, scriptural insights as well. So that, that's a, a fairly new project. I started working on that about, um, I don't know, two and a half, three months ago. I try to post once a week on
1: there. Yeah, nice. I I know you shared uh, a couple of the articles uh, from there with me, and I've enjoyed uh, several that I've read. So yeah, really glad you're working on that. Appreciate um, it, Rich. Thanks for thanks for being with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, uh, we'll be praying for and and hoping for the success of the Reveal Conference in 2022. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to get down there to Louisville and and see you again in person. All right, Fireflies. That's a wrap on this episode. Next week we'll be diving into a topic that was requested by one of our listeners. The question of whether God created ex nihilo or ex materia from nothing or from existing materials is a debate that's been ongoing within Christianity for uh, millennia. The orthodox Christian position is that God created ex nihilo out of nothing uh, and that before he created, only God existed. This topic was requested by a currently serving LDS missionary who listens to the program and was interested in hearing us discuss this topic and how it relates to the dialogue between Christians and uh, Latter-day Saints. So looking forward to sharing that episode with you and shine bright, fireflies.
0: We thank you for tuning into this episode of the Outer Brightness podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit the Outer Brightness podcast page on Facebook Feel free to send us a message there with comments or questions by clicking send a message at the top of the page, and we would appreciate it if you give the page a like. We also have an Outer Brightness group on Facebook, where you can join and interact with us and others as we discuss the podcast, past episodes, and suggestions for future episodes, etc. You can also send us an email at outerbrightness at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon.
3: You can subscribe to the Outer Brightness Podcast on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Pocket PocketCast, PodBeam, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also, you can check out our new YouTube channel, and if you like it, be sure to lay hands on that subscribe button and confirm it. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen and help spread the word.
1: You can also connect with Michael the Ex-Mormon Apologist at FromWaterToWine.org where he blogs, and sometimes Paul and Matthew do as well.
3: Music for the Outer Brightness podcast is graciously provided by the talented Brianna Flournoy and by Adams Road. Learn more about Adams Road by visiting their ministry page at AdamsRoadMinistry.com Stay bright, flyerflies.
4: Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God.